Hello and welcome to another episode of the Growth Podcast. I am really excited today to have my friend Emily Lanetto, who is the head of growth at VoiceFlow. Emily, thank you so much for joining. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. We struggled a little bit getting the audio ready to go right before this, but we are good and we are rolling. So today, before Emily introduces herself, I want to introduce the topic. Today, we're going to talk about one of the levers in growth that I had never really considered much of a lever until I heard Emily talk about it. And it's about community, right? We we usually think of growth levers as international, new channels, data, you know, funnel changes, experiments, all that sort of stuff. And when, one of the things that Emily has specialized in over time is using community as a new channel and platform and all that for growth. So I'm excited to dig in because I think it's a topic that doesn't get talked about all that much. Now I will be quiet. And Emily, if you want to give a quick intro, that would be great. And then we can go ahead and jump into the topic. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Emily. I'm head of growth at VoiceFlow. We make it easy for people to design, prototype, and build voice apps without any code. And community really is the forefront of kind of how we got started and has definitely been the trajectory or one of the channels that I've used across all the other roles that I've done in growth, whether that's B2C, B2B, or Marketplace. Awesome. And so let's just go ahead and jump right in. I've realized I already told most of the most of the topic. Can you give us a quick definition of what is community? Like, what what does that mean to you just as a baseline for everyone who's listening? Yeah, absolutely. So community can mean a lot of things, but the way that I like to kind of boil it down is community is a collection of customers or of users that are deeply integrated or power users of your product. And you've created this online, whether it is a platform, a forum, a space for them to communicate with each other and yourself. Community is also another way that you can really think about really actively engaging your users for product feedback, for users who are really, really engaged with the future roadmap, and just in general, people who are loud and excited about what it is that you're building. That is great. Can you maybe give us an example of maybe something you've done with community in the past? We can jump back to either something you did at Tilt or at VoiceFlow or, or an example that you see in the world right now that is a good standard for what it looks like. Weirdly enough, I've realized in like the last like year or two is so, so relevant just on like the surface level. If you just like hop on, let's say like Twitter right now. <laughs> and what I mean by that is you can go and you can see people who are just like reveling over products that they're using on a day to day basis. We at VoiceFlow are particularly tuned in with the no code community. So people who are really obsessed with trying to build robust or interesting new things that are typically technical in a no code basis. And what we see is you see these customers who are live engaging saying that they love Airtable over Notion and people getting into stuff. Or you see people backing up that they're really obsessed with this new product that just launched and they want to talk about it. So that's one way that you can kind of see that. And in more specific use cases, and stuff that we've kind of seen is really around like curating community. So building a product and really trying to test out when you're in the early stages, how do you 
build a community of people who really, really connect with the product that you've already created? And how can you connect them with each other? So they create this like beautiful echo chamber of whether it's like product feedback, active discussion, and also a new lever for you to actually communicate new things too. So you kind of start to build that there. And that's been present in both Tilt and VoiceFlow. And I can get into more specific details if you like as well. Okay, so I got two questions. One, what is the difference between community and your old school phrase of word of mouth or that sort of thing? Yeah, I think that like community and word of mouth, they go hand in hand. Word of mouth is empowered and distributed by community, if you really want to think about it. Community is more of like a strategic way of harnessing what it is that they are saying. How are they communicating and how do they talk to each other? So a big way that we did this very systematically at Tilt and are beginning to do so with VoiceFlow as well was through our ambassador program, where we realized that for Tilt, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it was an easy way to send requests and split payments between friends. We targeted colleges and universities, and we had a ton of students who were obsessed with the product, obsessed with how easy it made to make their, whether they were their club social or the head of household, et cetera, their lives easier to collect money, but also like we're actively talking about it and wanted to engage with our team, wanted to do that. So we ended up creating this program that not only curated all of them in Facebook groups so they can actually talk to each other, but actually made like a totally different portal, a different website that gave them all the assets they needed to onboard, not just as users, but as people who are able to talk about the product. And we actually use them in a lot of cases to test out new features, to help go viral when it is that we were trying to post something and also test out like messaging. So... An example of that kind of in the real world was when we had introduced P2P payments because previously we were just group payments and we curated the phrase send requests and split payments between friends, which was previously not how we had described ourselves. We described ourselves as micro crowdfunding, which is, you know, a little disconnected from university students sometimes. And we scheduled a cross campus tour about three or four months after we had started pushing that through our ambassador community and sitting in the campuses and actually hearing the ambassadors and the students live interact and hearing that phrase that we never explicitly told them to say, but we're using and feeding in all the stuff that we were using to kind of engage in our community was a really interesting proof point on how you can also use them as a way of just kind of putting a multiplier or actually trying to curate what that word of mouth looks like so it becomes more consistent. One of the things that you mentioned is that there were already there was already this group of people that were kind of engaged or in the case with VoiceFlow there's this community of no code already. Where do you think to start in terms of engaging an existing group that seems jazzed about something and then like leveraging on top of that versus building a new one from the ground up. Like, I mean, I'd have to guess that running with something that already exists is a much easier path. Oh, yeah. Well, in the same way, like when you're trying to prove out a brand new product or you're trying to test out something, you got to go where your audience is at the beginning or fit in with kind of how they are at the beginning. So in the same way that you think about like product market fit, you want to also think about like channel market fit. Where do you think your community or your ideal user hangs out outside of your product? In a lot of cases, the first thing that you want to think about when trying to figure out whether or not community can be a driver for you is do existing parallel communities, are they available? Can you pop in? Can you see how other people are engaging? 
a lot of the research and a lot of the ways that I've kickstarted communities, both at Tilt and Voicelow and even with consulting, was always trying to figure out who, number one, is your user base. Let's say in our case, it was designers and developers. Second, where do they currently live in troughs or in communities? So for us, it could be GitHub, it could be Facebook, it could be on different forums. And even with like similar like no-code tools, do they have communities? Can we go in there and see how they're interacting with people? So that's kind of like second phase. Third, you want to start to think about like in the same way you want to get your first customer, you want to get your first follower. Who's that person that really loves what you guys are building? Often it's really easy to figure that out as they're probably already in touch with your team or very active in engaging with you. And starting to try to curate a community around that. So you can either try to, one, bring people in via invitation from your existing community base, or in this case, customer base. Or number two, you can try to figure out how can you draw people from parallel groups into something new that you're building. But either way, you got to do that research in the same way that you would with your product. And you got to go where they already are. So how do you do that? So I've tried to do this before at other companies with other tools where like we find a bunch of people that we think are early adopters or are already engaged. And then we throw together a Facebook group or an email list or something. And then everyone's super jazzed about it for like a week and a half. And then no one engages after that. Like, what is the difference between it, that sort of thing falling flat versus actually becoming a thing that compounds upon itself? Is it how often you're engaging, how you're thinking about engaging. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Like, how do you think about that? Yeah. So I think like the the overall caveat on is it's an experiment and it works for some and it works better for some than it does for others. But the big thing about community that I think is a big mistake that a lot of people do is that they think it's a side desk job, that it's something you can just kind of do without really like putting a whole plan around it. And I think that engagement is a huge component of that, whether that is like when you first start, get other people from your office that are in that to make sure that you guys are introducing each other, like making sure that when people first come into the group, that there's something for them to do, there's something for them to engage with. That could also just be like automating posts or automating questions, things like that. Very simple. On the other side, which is a big thing to actually think about before you dive into trying to curate your community is who or what segment of your customer base or potential community do you actually want to target and how are they how are they motivated so in a lot of cases you'll see with community you have transactional community members or people who are very focused on like swag monetary rewards if i do this then that and then you have more evangelists as an example of people who aren't necessarily motivated by those rewards, but instead are motivated by early access to features, closeness to team, influence within the company. And even third, you have maybe like another group that kind of sits on that in-between. How do you engage with them? Or maybe there's just people who want to help out and moderate. So really trying to think about are you starting a transactional community group? Are you starting an evangelist community group? Are you doing it for product feedback? What's your goal before you go in? Will also help to dictate what's the natural frequency that someone probably will engage with that group. Because you also don't want to set yourself up to fail there. <laughs> right. That makes a lot of sense. And what you said about it's not a side desk job, I think the approach that I have employed or seen other people employ is, is like, 
you get started, you're building a new company or you're launching a new product and you just say, yeah, of course, we have to get some community together. Yeah, spin up a Slack and just invite a bunch of people. And then you just kind of hope that things will happen. What you're saying, that is like fundamentally the wrong way to think about it. Yeah, it's like, that's literally the definition of imagine if I was going to use like a really poor, like have a hotel example, but then I realized I don't remember enough about that game. But uh, like that, that's the equivalent of just like inviting or clicking the rand function and inviting like 100 people to a party, and just expecting them to all like hit it off when they have like no idea why they're there, other than they got an invitation. And like, sometimes that works, like, Kudos to whoever can pull that off. But in a lot of cases, it it comes from careful curation. What's the venue? So in this case, channel, who's hosting? So who's the forefront of that? Who's like the facilitator or the hype people? So who else on your team is going to be there to ensure that people are being engaged? And who's like the volunteer? You know, like one friend that comes in early and like helps you set up and keep things going. It's the same situation where like we look for moderators, leaders that can kind of help out and they aren't part of our official team, but do play a role that is more closely tied with our team so they can help to moderate, ask questions, answer questions as new members come in. That is such a good framework for how to think about that. Do you have that written down anywhere? (laughs) No, I like literally just thought about that as I was failing to come up with a have a hotel example. I think it's have a hotel. I don't even remember now. I don't even know what you're talking about, but it's all right. (laughs) Club Penguin. Oh, (laughs) ish. (laughs) Yeah. I see. Okay. So you have these steps. How, how do, let's say I'm, I'm listening and I'm saying, all right, community sounds good. Now I'm learning that I can't just go willy nilly. How do I figure out what my goal should be with it? Like, should I think about this as a new channel for customers? Should I think about this as a feedback group? Like how do I make the decision of where I want to point it? So I think in a lot of cases, it depends on your stage and you're going to also see like residual effects from it. So as an example, like if you're an early stage company that doesn't have access to, let's say, a lot of funds to be able to engage with users or to be able to kind of put out content, like this is an awesome distribution channel. It's an awesome way of you getting product feedback in a way that's more candid, more real time, and also like has your face on it. So it's like a different way of people being able to interact. It's a new data set that way. Other ways of thinking about it are in a lot of cases, I think the the argument that I hear on the community side is, I don't know if it's ROI positive. I don't know how to measure it. And in these cases, being able to set up an early community also becomes a moat. Like it's a defense mechanism and it's a way that you can not only get closer to your customers, but build stronger retention with them in a way that's a lot more personal and outside of just your product. And where I've seen it like extremely successfully, especially when you're trying to justify it at the beginning, is it makes people a lot more forgiving and a lot more patient when it comes to you trying out new features or potentially introducing bugs as you're iterating quickly, which happens a lot in startups. And you get to see that immediate feedback. And it was one of the things that made working at Tilt and VoiceFlow at such a high hypergrowth phase so exciting, where you can see that immediate like dopamine hit and you can see it measured that way. Okay, so you touched on measurement. This is something I want to want to ask about. All right, so it can become a, a defense mechanism and a moat and a thing that becomes something that is really hard to replicate when software is becoming more and more 
easy to copy in terms of, you know, spinning up a product that does X, Y, or Z. How do you think about that measurement beyond it becoming a part of brand per se? Yeah. So I think like other ways of even measuring that is like, think about them as like a different channel. So feed separate articles or separate things to your community than you do on social or you do on other platforms that you're using and measure that reach. Like that's one way of thinking about it if you're using it for content. Another way of thinking about it is like your community is probably your best way of trying to get like a strong engaged user base that could potentially work for like a very for like a, an early referral test. So it's like a very classic example of tracking or finding benefits of community. And other ways of also thinking about that are in terms of tracking, at least like being able to introduce custom things to them or use them as cohorts is another like direct impact of measuring people who are part of your community against people who are not. How do they use your product differently? Are they affected differently? Does it have long-term effects on their accounts, upgrade opportunity, LTB, examples like that. And then, okay, so you have all these different ways that you could measure it. How do you think about the goals? I'd imagine that they are tied directly to purpose of the community that you had decided on when you started? Yeah. So I I wish I could sit here and say like, oh, the exact thing that we said when we first made the community is like still the goal, which is subtly, but not entirely. I think like the, the beauty of community is that it is valuable in a way that things that require code aren't. So because it is inherently human as a backbone, like there's a lot of things you can test with it. And there are a lot of things that you can use or you can play around with that make the goals around it a little bit more flexible. So that's just like kind of one thing to think about. But in terms of goals set for the community, like we have growth goals for it. Like we want to make sure that as like a benchmark in some cases, like X percentage of people who sign up join our community within a few, let's say within a few days. Why? Because we've seen that people who are part of the community are more likely to activate or are more likely to engage with the product at a higher professional rate. So like that's an example. Or other ways that we also want to think about it are like we use the community all the time, even just to like try to help prioritize things that are on our roadmap or we'll use it in other ways as well that make other business decisions for us a little bit easier. So like you don't know willingness to pay, for an example, for pricing, like use your community or talk with them. So there's kind of like softer goals and then the actual harder goals that are around kind of how big you want that community to get. And at what point is it too big? Which is also something to kind of consider that some people hit eventually with Tilt at one point. We had like 10,000 students in one Facebook group, which becomes unruly after a certain period of time. I would imagine at that point, it evolves into a thing that other people just try to leverage against, not against you, but for their own benefit rather than the core intention, right? Like I don't want to be overrun with people saying like, hey, I'm doing this other thing. Check it out. And so like that, that's also like an interesting thing around it is like, it's very human based. You introduce the rules, you introduce the culture of what you want this community to be. How do people talk? Who do we let in? Like, how are we communicating what is and is not appropriate within the community? With Tilt, we like started that super aggressively in a very like, this will not scale type of mentality where uh, we put every single cohort of new ambassadors through orientation. Orientation that we held either in person, so in groups actually at the university or at our office in downtown, or via Google Hangout. And 
we as a member of our actual tilt team, we're responsible for like, we're the face that they know. Like we're onboarding them and telling them like, welcome to this brand new program in the same way that they think about university of their like residents of how they want to be representative there. So we set those boundaries and we like, it's up to the company to really monitor that and moderate how much control do you want to have over it versus are you just building something that's more general purpose, which is also an interesting place to play where there's a lot of power and also just like collecting a bunch of people in one spot and letting it go free and being that moderator. But again, that goes down to the goal. Do you want it to be more as a distribution platform or do you want it to be more as like curated to your product and the community you're trying to foster? Yeah. And I imagine as something that you hinted at before, I'd imagine that there are a lot of cases where you set out with one goal for the community and then it just evolves down a totally different path that wasn't expected in the first place. Yeah. And like, there's something about that that's honestly like very beautiful in a lot of cases. It can go both ways. Don't get me wrong. But you learn so much from that because like this is change that you can't ignore on or not ignore, but forget about on a dashboard for a few days or for a month or so. Like these trends are happening right in front of you and they're happening and very often you're tagged in them. It's a very different type of research and experimentation that results in a lot of things that reading an actual, let's say, click-through rate or engagement score won't necessarily give you. So really trying to like boil down, not thinking about this as like a finite, this is what we want to get out of the community, or we want like 5,000 members really thinking about like why and what are you going to do with them when they get there? Um, Because I think the worst case scenario that people make, especially with online communities, is they pretty much spend, and I think companies in SaaS in general do a lot of this where they like wine and dine and they send a bunch of ads and like these flourishing things to get people to actually like join or click on something for the first time. And then they finally sign up and then there's nothing. They're like in a waiting room. And so like really being able to figure out, okay, not only how do you grow this community, but like, what is the purpose that's going to keep them there? And what of that is going to be beneficial to the actual product and its development versus future market and future future research. Right. I imagine that it gives you this lens into what is happening in the market in a way that, like you were saying, your data, your sign-up funnels can't tell you even, like you can't find blog posts about it because no one else is catching it yet. But if you have this group of people, you can hear those things first and What you're saying is it's almost it can guide the future of your company in a lot of ways. And if you don't have it or you have it and then you misread it or you don't pay attention to it, then you could be missing cues that could help you 10x whatever you're you're building in the next couple of years. Yeah. And I think that like this really this really comes down to like a lot of things, especially like trends that I see in growth is we have never been more equipped to get more data on people ever. We're finding that more and more people in growth and marketing and product are getting increasingly more data-driven, that there's more opportunities for us to be able to kind of pull meta information and data around the consumer, but we're spending less and less time talking to customers at a scalable way. And community in a lot of cases keeps us true to that. And especially working on products that are new or in emerging markets or haven't been fully solidified yet. And it's that classic case of if you were to ask people back in the day when Henry Ford built the first car, what would you like? They'd say a faster horse. But 
in this case, being able to like hear conversations or challenge or derive stuff from like real engagements. In a lot of cases, you might even come up with other campaigns for other things that you're working on that might not be as clear through just numbers. Yep. So let's say I've listened to this episode and I'm convinced I should probably do community. However, I have a thousand other things to do and I'm pretty low resourced. Like at what point do I make a decision that I, you know, I should prioritize this over an investment paid over the next two quarters or digging deep in our sign up funnels? Like how do you make that decision of, all right, it's time to actually invest in this thing? So I think like if you're seeing that you have a base level of traction with customers, they're coming back, they're excited. Are people receptive to what it is that you're working on? So like, are you working on something that people want to talk about? Because in a lot of cases, like there's some things that people are building that are super cool, but don't appeal to a mass variety of people or aren't necessarily in a space that people want to regularly talk about. So does your product fall into a category that is conversational, that is exciting enough that people want to talk about it or that you've built an experience that's delightful enough that people do want to engage with you? And in another case as well is really try to think about what age group are you targeting? So for instance, if you're targeting children or things around that, probably wouldn't recommend starting with that unless you're targeting like their parents and like really try to think about what free channels or what communities already exist that you might be able to pop into. So are there similar ones that are out there? Does your audience live on Facebook or GitHub or Reddit? do they live on any of those platforms? Because if they don't, it's going to be a lot harder for them to choose or jump onto a platform in the first place, which is often the case that happens when people jump on and create a massive new Slack channel when they're targeting people that don't necessarily use Slack on a regular cadence. Right. Okay. This brings up one other question that I meant to ask earlier and I didn't get a chance to because we moved on. So then how do you, let's say you recognize that this community exists They're using these platforms or, you know, here's already a group that I think we can leverage. How do you show up to that existing group or community and not be an outsider that's like looking for something? You know what I mean? Like, I imagine that there are already these bases of people that see someone knocking on the door and they're like, yeah, that person clearly has an agenda. I'm out on that. How do you avoid that? So I think there's two different ways that you can think about that. The first one is like, don't go in with a hidden hidden agenda. You're going in because you're curious, choose products or communities that you actually like and try to figure out like, this is more of a testament on like, what would get you as a person excited about joining that community, engaged in that community and like really pay attention to what they're doing to get you engaged. Are they doing anything at all? Are there certain groups that are doing it better than others? What did you like about that experience and how can you either replicate or learn from it? So that's one way of thinking about it. And the other way of thinking about it is being like super upfront with who is killing it when it comes to a strong community of people that love talking about their product. Reach out, talk to their growth person or the person that's responsible for that channel, because odds are they're willing to talk to you. And I found so much help from honestly just going straight and asking somebody, hey, I would love to pick your brain about this. I see that you also work with like designers and developers. Here's what we're building. Is there something we could do together? So even like establishing other ways that you can figure out how can you do cross collaborative things or just direct learning is another way of thinking about it. 
makes a lot of sense. Maybe some people will reach out to you after this episode. Do you have anything else that you feel like we didn't get a chance to cover or, you know, that you wanted to make sure that you, you added in here before we wrap? I think the the big thing to really think about community beyond like beyond the learnings, beyond the fact that it's a way to engage with your customers is it's also a way to really stand out. It's a way that you can really break through some of the clutter that people get with spammed ads or with the same type of recycled content that you get from other places because every community group is different because it has different people. Um, And really being able to strategically sit down and think about how can you build something that is different, that's unique to your product, really is a competitive advantage that isn't as simple as just coding something or trying to sit down and plan out something for months. So I think that it's also a really awesome exercise as a team, especially if you're small or just trying to figure stuff out, to really push yourself to get more tapped into either your existing customer base or people that you want to be associated with. I think that is a great thing to wrap on. Emily, thank you again so much for joining. I really do appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, I really appreciate you tuning in. If you're a fan, would love a subscribe, review, whatever you got. My email is mattadrift.com. Would love feedback, topics you want to hear, whatever it might be. Thank you again. And I will catch you on the next episode. All right. Bye. Bye.